Morning. Did you guys sleep well? That's like me. So last night, um, man, Ethan woke up like at, right when we went in the room, and he stayed up to like 2.30. So like, it's like, Lord, give me supernatural strength. And then this morning I woke up, and I was walking through the coffee shop, and I felt like this energy. And I was like, oh. So God is here. He is good. He's our strength, amen? Man, I, before I start, I want to talk to you guys about Emmaus, because you know, you guys don't understand how lucky you are to have Emmaus. Um, when I was when I was going to school, I had a friend named Charles. He was, he was like one of my closest friends. I knew him since like first grade. So he was a year younger than me. He grew up in the church. He was such a good boy. Like I seen him grow up, and me and my friend Leonard would do bad things at church. He never did any of those bad things, right? Uh, but he's such a good boy. Grew up like... You know, the, the perfect model Christian boy had two twin brothers and he would take care of them. Like, it was, he was like their father. He was such a good guy. We went to uh, Biola together, the Christian university. He was on fire for the Lord. And then his sophomore year, he came to Yonsei on exchange. How many of you guys are here on Yonsei on exchange? Right? He did exactly what you guys are doing, right? He came to Yonsei and he did two semesters. He was there for, he was here for like 10 months. And I remember, I, you know, back then I would get an email from him once in a while. And he came back, and he came back as one of the most defiled people I've ever seen in my life. Like, he came to Yonsei, and then he just went buck wild. He went crazy, and he was talking to me all about, like, going clubbing and getting into fights and, like, stealing girls' purses and, like, going to prostitutes. And I was like, man, what happened to you, man? And he, and, and he was, like, just for a long time, he, he just turned, to, turned away from God. And, and, and when I think about Emmaus and like, like how Emmaus has grown, it's not just Yonsei anymore and you guys are in like KU and SNU and, and you guys are in Iwa too, right? Some of you guys are, man, you guys have to understand this is an, this is like opportunity that God has placed in your, in, in your life right now for you guys to be a part of this ministry, you know, and I, I believe that if Charles, you know, he's, he's a good kid now. I, I, he came to Korea and we, I met up with him recently, but, uh, you know, if, if he had a mass, his life would have been very different. His life would have been radically different. And so I want you guys to really understand that and know it's the power of this ministry. Uh, today, and I, this Maranatha, your t-shirts are awesome. When I looked at it, I thought it was like, like Mernta. <laughs> you guys shorten everything. I was talking to Eunice on Cacao and she's like, what did you say? I was like, what the heck is OTW? It's like, on the way. And I was like, why don't you write on the way, you know? Because, like, like when I asked you what OTW was, she actually had to write on the way. You know, like, like she actually wrote more. And you guys shorten everything, man. You guys are too hip for me. You know, like, and I need to be around because, you know, when, when, you, when you have a young heart, you stay young. And a lot of people say that I look young for my age. It's true, right? I'm 40, man. I know, I'm, I, look, I, know I, I look a lot younger than your parents. Because um, we're about the same age. But, uh, you know, you have to be around young people. Um, Maranatha. Okay, Maranatha. Everybody say Maranatha. Maranatha. Okay, say, Lord, come. Okay, Maranatha is an Aramaic word. Okay, Jesus, the language he spoke was Aramaic. And, and we know it as our Lord come. 
We see it being only used in 1 Corinthians. It's only one time in the Bible that this actual word is used. It's in 1 Corinthians 16.22. And Paul, he closes the letter to the Corinthians. He writes, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come. In Revelations 22, this is where, uh, Emmaus, you guys got the, the phrase, uh, even so come. We see John use this phrase, but he uses it in the Greek. Okay, is Erchamai Kulias Jesus. But Maranatha sounds a lot better, okay? And I want to read this section of Revelations 22 to you because it really is, is the heart of this saying. Okay, let's return to the Bible to Revelation 22. It's the last book of the Bible. And this is the last chapter of the last book in the Bible. This is the very end of the Bible. Now, I want us to read it together. I'm going to read verse 6, and you guys will read 7. I'll read verse 8, and we'll go all, down all the way to verse 21, okay? Uh, verse 6, And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servant what must soon take place. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angels who showed them to me. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you about these things. For the churches, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. I warn everyone who hears the word of this prophecy of this book, if anyone asks to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. He who testifies to these things say, Surely I am coming soon. That's Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. That verse 20 in the King James, it says, He which testified to these things say, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Now, this is the heart of the word Maranatha. Now, there's an argument out there about this phrase and how it's to be used. It's actually a very ambiguous word. Okay? 
And it all depends on how you phonetically divide the word. It's like the word resign. Okay, you know resign like R-E-S-I-G-N. Okay, what does resign mean? To what? To quit, right? I resign. I'm done with this. Right? But then R-E hyphen S-I-G-N means to re-sign, right? It means to like, you know, in, in Hagwon workers in Korea, when you re-sign, that means you like continue on with your work for another year. So I got a text one time from this dude. And he's like, yo, I resigned at my work today. And I was like, why? Why'd you do that? Why'd you quit, man? He's like, yeah, no, I resigned. And I was like, no, I no, you just said that to me. Why did you quit your job? And then he wrote, no, I re hyphen signed. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but like, depending on where you divide the word, it becomes a different word, right? And, and with Maranatha, some say that it's Maranatha, which is a request of our Lord to come. It's like, please, Lord, come. And there's a, there's a variation of this word where it says Maranatha is like, our Lord is coming. Okay, it's a future tense. And some say it's divided as Maran, Maranatha, okay, which becomes our Lord has come. Now, when it comes to where Paul uses this in Corinthians, all three fit his theology. Okay, all, it, all three can actually work. And it's weird because it's an Aramaic word where they, you know, that's what they spoke back then. It's written phonetically in the Greek alphabet in a Greek letter to, written to Greek people. And, and, and it's like... Like you're writing a letter to your friend in English, and then you write B-A-B-O. Like, oh, that guy is a B-A-B-O. What is, is B-A-B-O? Bible, right? I mean, stupid in Korean, right? But you write it B-A-B-O, right? That's what he did. He wrote, in the Greek, he wrote uh, in Aramaic, the word Maranatha is an Aramaic word, but he wrote mu, mu alpha, rho alpha, nu alpha, theta alpha. Who's, in, who's a Greek fraternity guy in here? Anybody? Any, any Greeks in here? That's like, yeah, it's like, it's like Maranatha, right? If you take the Greek alphabet and you read it out like that, that's what it is. He wrote an Aramaic word and he wrote it into the Greek alphabet. Now, regarding the history of this word, it's in, it's in Paul's letter and it became a, a common word among early church Christians. And it, it, it was a word that was birthed in persecution. In the early church, Christians were being persecuted. Caesar said, you know what? I'm a god. Everybody, the Roman Empire was huge. You have to worship me. Everybody, like, I, I'm a god. That's like North Korea, Kim Jong-un. And Kim Jong-un is like, I'm a god. You guys have to worship me. And, 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 and the Christians are like, no, you're not god. They're, we only have one god. He's, he's god and his son, Jesus Christ. And so they, they, they didn't bow down to Caesar. And then they were getting persecuted. Like, you know, it's really bad at times. And they, they throw them into the lion's den, like, to, to the lions. They would have these, these crazy, like, you know, like, you know, they would hang them. And they would, like, you know, torture them. It was really bad. And it's estimated that there were 250 years of Roman rule and persecution. And, in, and it wasn't all bad, right? It wasn't like 250 years of like, you know, kill every Christian. It all depended on the emperor. So if the emperor didn't like Christians, it was politically bad, then there would be like mass persecution. And all of a sudden, there'd be an emperor. He's like, you know what? They're not that bad. Well, let's just let them be. And it'd be, it would be all right for a while. And then it would get bad. And it was 250 years of this. And... But despite how bad this persecution was, those 250 years were years where it was not easy to be a Christian. Okay? Sometimes when you said that I believe in Jesus, it meant that you could very well die. That's why when it comes to evangelism, I'm not like totally, I mean, I mean you guys, the sinner's prayer is good, but I'm not like totally convinced. I don't like using the sinner's prayer. 
Because at the heart of it is when, when you, when they take the, the verse Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But so many times we, we focus on the confess with their mouth part. But when Paul's writing this, and he says confess with your mouth, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord back then, man, it changed your life. People treated you differently. It meant people could hate you. It meant that under bad emperor, you could get killed. So I personally believe that salvation is deeper than that. That true salvation isn't just words and knowing about Jesus is a lot more. Now in the mission field, sometimes the sinner's prayer is all you have. You're only going to be there for a few days. So you, all your opportunities, like everybody confess with your mouth and, and believe in your heart. And then you go and you hope and you pray to God that, that the spirit of God will sink in and transform their lives. And, and, the, and the fruit of repentance will come forth. But when it comes to people in my life, people around me, people that, that I come into contact with, my goal isn't the sinner's prayer. It's a life devoted to Christ and his commandments. Salvation was not easy then, and it shouldn't be something that's so simple now. And, and, and in the middle of all this persecution of the early church, this word Maranatha came out. It, was, it became a common cry. It became a greeting amongst believers. It's like, oh, you're a Christian? Maranatha. And it was like a heart's cry, like, Jesus, come back, because this is not easy. It, it, it became a cry of hope and faith. It became their anthem. In the face of persecution, the word pointed to Jesus. Now, regarding the ambiguous meaning of the word Maranatha or Maranatha, I personally believe that it is both. The Lord has come and the Lord is coming. It was a special word just for them because it had such a deep and meaning, like it has such deep meaning in their existence. It's Maranatha, our Lord has come. He's like, man, he's with us now. In, in despite of all of this persecution, even though that we're being hated, even though that people want to send us and kill us, our Lord, is, he's, His help is here. He is here now as Maranatha. And Maranatha, Lord, Jesus is coming. Man, He's coming. We just have to wait. He's coming. He's coming. I know that it's hard. Remain strong. Remain steadfast because He's coming. Our Lord is coming. In the face of persecution, He's coming. Maranatha. Atha. And this word is not a word to be taken lightly. Like I said, it's a word birthed out of persecution. It deserves to be a cry from our heart. It's a word, if you say it, you got to mean it. And let me tell you, it's not an easy word. You got to have what it takes to back it up. Have you ever, like, there's a phrase, bitten off more than you could chew. Right? When I was young... I think I was in fifth grade. Mina loves this story. I was in fifth grade, and we, we were at my friend Dustin's house, and he, he, we found these boxing gloves, his dad's boxing gloves. And we're like, all right, let's play. And then I, I put on these boxing gloves, and we're messing around. And Dustin, he's like shorter than me. He's weaker than me. And so I was like, wow. And we, I was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, I was beating this guy up. I felt like I could, I, you know. And then my friend Mike Mullen came. Mike Mullen, he was like the first kid in our neighborhood that got muscles, right? <laughs> Well, we didn't see it because he all, you know, back then we all had loose sh- T-shirts on and stuff. And then we were like, he was like, let, 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 let me do it. And so he put on his gloves. And I was like, man, I beat up Dust. I'm going I'm to beat this guy up. Come on. And I was like, come on, man, let's do this. And then he did two things, man. He does one like this. Bop. It was a jab right here. 
And I was like, oh, what was that? And then, and then I saw black. And then immediately I knew, dude, this guy's better than me. This guy could beat me. Right? And, and like, I, I was doing all of this stuff, but I had nothing to back up what I was talking about. It's like, it's like going bungee jumping. It's easy to say, yeah, man, that looks fun, dude. You know, those people, and all of a sudden you're there and you're like, whoo. That's a, that's a, that's a big drop. In life, there are words that we say, we have to have what it takes to back it up. Maranatha is not easy to say. It, it could be easy to say, but it's a hard word to mean. Come, Lord Jesus. And the ambiguity and the fix, flexibility of this word, I believe, is the reason that this word became so special and cherished by the early persecuted believers. And there's a lesson that we can glean from the dual meaning of this word. And the lesson is, in order for Maranatha, our Lord come, our Jesus come, he's coming soon. In order to truly mean Maranatha, we need to truly know Maranatha. Our Lord has come. In order for us to truly cry out for our Lord Jesus to come again, we have to fully know and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ who is here now. He has come. He's here now. Because if you truly, if you don't truly know Him here now, you just might not recognize Him when He comes. Have you ever seen people at the airport and they have a sign of some dude's name? They're like, Mr. Becker, flight 304. And they're just looking. Because they know of the person that's coming, but they don't know them. They know that his name is Mr. Becker, that he's coming from Cleveland. You know, but they don't know him. That's why you have a sign. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you truly know him? Not just of him, but do you know him? And most of you guys in here, you guys know of me. You guys know that I'm Caleb, you know, that you know, this is what I look like. I have, a, I have a kid named Ethan, I have a wife named Mina. But you guys don't know me. But there's some of you guys in here that know me, right? Like Eunice and Kathleen, they know me because we've, we've spent time together. They used to follow me around all the time in Mule, man. They were like, oh, Caleb, let's hang out. I was like, man, I'm too old for you. And they know that I'm the funniest guy alive. I had to drop him like a bad habit when I had to get married. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. My wife, she knows me. She knows that I could be a sweet guy. She knows that I'm a, I could be a great husband. She also knows that I could be very disgusting. And, and, and I can do things that was like, that does not make me look, they make you look attractive, you know? She knows me. She knows me inside and out. She, like, like, it's not that she just knows of me. She knows me. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Maranatha, our Lord, has come? Because Maranatha, our Lord, has come. He didn't come to set up a religion. He didn't come to give you guys a bunch of rules to do, things to follow. But he came for a relationship. Everyone say Relationship. I say this in so many of my sermons, but our God is a God of relationship. He created this world. He created Adam and Eve. He created the world. He created us not as toys or as pets, but he created us for a relationship. He made us in his image. Why? 
Okay, so we can have a relationship. You can't have a relationship with your computer. You can't, I can't have a relationship with my, with my car. I can't, you know, I have a pet, I have a dog, her name is Nugget. And although I like Nugget a lot, and I know that Nugget loves, likes me, and wants to like, you know, rub on my leg, and like, ultimately in the, in the end, we don't have a relationship. I own her. And I'm just the guy that gives her food and water. That's why she's like, no matter how much I like her and she likes me, we don't have a relationship. But Ethan, when I look at him, at times he acts like me. And he looks like me, kind of. He's made in my image. And even though he's only two, we have a relationship. God made you. He saved you. He made you in his image, not so that he could play with you like a toy. Sometimes you guys feel that way. Oh, God, why? He's like, I'm going to put this guy over here and make him do. No, he didn't. He didn't make you and save you to be your pet. He didn't. He didn't even make you so that he can be your master. So you can be you can be his servant. But he made you in his image for relationship. And not just any relationship, not as a boss or even as a friend. I know that Jesus says that we can be a friend of God, but that's not it. He establishes us in the, one of the most intimate relationships that we can have. It's that one of a father and a son. I love Ethan, man. Like he, he, hey, poop, big old diaper. Oh, yeah, that's great. It's, it's, a, it's an intimate relationship that he calls us into. We are sons of God. The Bible says that we are sons. Romans 8.15 For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, what? Master? No, we cry, Abba, Father. He's saying like, man, I adopted you into this relationship where you could call me Father. Yes, he's God Almighty. Yes, he, he's like, there's no one like him. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning. Like, he's all that. But he's like, you know what? I choose to see you, and I choose for you to see me as a father, and you're my son. Do you know the relationship that you're in? Because that's, his been, that's been his plan all along. Christianity isn't just about believing. It's about knowing a person and relationship. A living person. Right now, he is alive. Jesus, right now, he's alive. He's in heaven. He's a Jew. You know, he has long hair. Probably has a beard. I see him with a lot of body hair. I don't know why. Probably has big old forearms because he was a carpenter. He probably was kind of short because people... They didn't get that tall back then. But he's alive right now. He's a, he's a real man with nails in his hands and nails in his feet with a, with a big old scar on his side. He's alive and he's seated in heaven at the right hand of God. He's interceding for you. He's rooting for you. He's cheering for you. He's like, man, come on. You can do this. That's the relationship that he calls us into. He sees you not as, not as servants. I know that we need a servant's heart. Okay, We all need to have a servant's heart. 
It's something that we church preaches. A lot. We all talk about that. We want you guys to have a servant's heart. Yeah, we need to have a servant's heart. That's something that we do, but that is not who we are. He gives us a job to be a servant, a servant to all, but he doesn't call us servants. Just because I work as a, like, you know, I do certain, just because I sweep the ground of the church, just because I, 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 I clean the pews does not make me the janitor. He's, he came so you can have a relationship with you, not just a relationship. You guys have to know that God wants intimacy with you. He brings you into the, one of the most intimate relationships, father and son. He also brings you into the most, one of the most intimate relationships that you can know is a bride, the groom and the bride. Me and Mina, we, we're yeah, intimate. I know that sounds crazy, but you know what? As, as husband and wife, she knows everything about me. And I know everything about her. It's intimate. And, there, and there's no like, like, I don't feel embarrassed around my wife. I don't feel like shame. When I do something gross, I pick my nose. I don't feel shame. <laughs> do you know that? It's because there's intimacy there. When you guys feel shame, it's a sign that you don't, you don't have that intimacy. And it's not like because God went far away. Oh, sin. No, no. It's because you took yourself away. You took your heart. You know what? I have to, nah. God, you can't be near this. That's what shame is. But true intimacy, there is no shame, man. Do you feel shame with your parents when you fart in front of your parents? Do you feel shame? Do you, but you do with like with, with strangers, right? When people that you don't know very well, you're like, you hold that in. Oh. Man, I can't I wish I I wish they'd go somewhere else for a while. I just and you just kinda of walk by the door. Alright. Did you feel shame? Man. That shame is not, it's a sign of distance. It's a sign of intimacy not being there. I want to tell you, the, the relationship that God wants for you is one of, like, man, he wants to be close to you. He wants to be so close. He wants, he, he wants you to know him, not just about him, but know him. There are things that we can do to know him. Now, I don't have a step-by-step instruction on how to do this. It's, not, it's like relationships on earth. There is no step-by-step relationship guide to find a girlfriend. I'm sorry, guys. All right? You got you to, you, you know, you got to do, and you got to play, and you got to, like, you know, not play, like play or play. You got to like, like do what you do. It, it, it's like, there's no like step by step for relationship, but there are guidelines. There's things that we can do to lead us in the right direction. And the first is you have to start from brokenness. When you approach God, you got to go to him broken. Broken, realizing that there's nothing in this whole scheme of the universe and eternity, there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. No matter how good we are, no matter how generous we are, no matter how smart or good looking we are, you could cure cancer. You could cure AIDS. It does nothing for your eternity. You have to realize that, that eternity 
Have you ever just thought about eternity? It scares me, man. And imagine an eternity with everything that is good, without everything that is good, an eternity with, with everything that is of love, because God is good and God is love. So you have an eternity of, of nothing that is good and nothing that is love, and not just for a thousand years, but for eternity. When I think about that, it, it, puts a, it gives me a chills. And at night, when I when I like, I'll go to sleep, and then and God's leading me sometimes to a place of repentance, and he he doesn't he's not saying, oh, I'm going to send you to hell, but he just I just get a, like I, I take myself to that place of that that vast chasm of just endlessness without God, and I I get scared straight. And to realize that there's nothing that you can do, really, nothing you can do to bring you out of that. Into, into his presence. That's brokenness. Forever. And to realize that God killed his own son. So we can have eternity with him. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It brings us to brokenness. And we never graduate from brokenness. You never like grow in your maturity in Christ to the place of like, alright, I was broken when I was like, you know, when I first came to the Lord, I was broken. But you know what? God's using me. You know, God, God's like, you know, he's made me a, a, a campus director. He's made me a pastor. He's made me like a CG leader, a familia leader. Man, I've graduated from broken. You never graduate from brokenness. The more you go higher with the Lord, you realize how broken you are. The more you start to grow in the things of God and his faith, you realize, man, you realize how broken you are and how, 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 how lost you are. You never graduate from brokenness. Poor in spirit doesn't mean, oh, I suck. I'm so depressed. It means I need you because there's, I'm, I need you. And, and it starts from there. You guys want to, you guys want to know about Jesus? You got to go to him broken. Another, another thing you need to start doing is the Word of God. You know, we have relationship with Him through the Word of God. You guys know about Emmaus. Everybody say Emmaus. You guys are in Emmaus. You know, Emmaus comes from Luke. Luke 24. Turn your Bibles to Luke 24. You know, there's these disciples. Jesus has just been crucified, right? He's crucified. He's dead. And these disciples of Jesus, they're like the, they were the ones that were following him. They're walking. They're on their way to Emmaus. Okay, it's a, it's a town about seven miles away from Jerusalem. And they're walking and they're talking to each other. It's like, man, what happened, man? I thought, I thought he was going to rule Israel. I thought, I thought he was going to be the man, man. He died. And they're all depressed. And because and, and, Jesus, their teacher, they loved him. He was killed. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks up to them. But he, he, there's a strain, he says that, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He hid his face from them, and Jesus asked them, what are you guys talking about? What's up, man? And one of them named Cleopas, he's like, man, do you, are you like born on Mars? Does, do, do you not know Jesus? Man, everybody knows Jesus. Everybody knows him, and everybody knows of him, and you know that he died. And Jesus is like, you dummies, you foolish ones. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning 
with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. He does a Bible study. He opens the Bible and he goes from the beginning. And he starts to point everything in the, in the Old Testament of every instance where it's pointing to Jesus. You know that the, all of the Old Testament and the New Testament, it points to Jesus. And he's like, he's like, you know what, look at this right here. David, Moses, all of this, it points to Jesus. And then he does something very interesting. Okay, read Luke 24, verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. He's like, all right. Okay, guys, I'm going now. He acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay. Stay with us, for it is towards the evening and the day is not far spent. So he went and he stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us the scriptures? I love that part where he's pretending. He's like, he's pretending. The, the, the word actually, he pretended to go further. Why? He's testing them. He's like, I want to know if they want more. I want to see if, if they're willing to go that extra mile. I want to see that if they are, are they willing to dig? Are they willing to just, just go a little more further? Do they want more? And then as he sits, they're like, oh, don't stay. We want you to stay. And as, the, as he breaks the bread, they're sitting there with Jesus. He didn't have to go like, ta-da, I'm Jesus. No, they recognized him. Do you guys see the meaning in this? Is that as, as he opened up the scriptures to him, in, this, in, in all of the scriptures, he opens it up and he shows them the things that point to Jesus. And then he's sitting there and then they recognize him. It's like when you read the scriptures, when you start to really read, when you go that extra mile, when you say, all right, Jesus, I know this is far, but I want to know a little more. When you take that, when you take that extra step in the word of God, when you search, when you seek, man, you're going to recognize him. You're going to really see him. And some of you guys, you guys, I used to do this too. Sometimes I still do this. I'm a pastor. And sometimes I just like, oh, I'm supposed to, I should read the word. I just open, I just read Matthew, da, 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 da. Okay, all right. I, I read this before. I co- No. It's the living word. You got to search. You got to seek. You got to go in there and dig. And as you dig and as you really go into the word of God, he's, he, he's gonna, you don't, he doesn't have to say, ta-da, this is me. He, it's going to be revealed to you. As you really search the word of God, you're going to recognize Jesus. You're going to recognize him. That's the power of the word. You know what? You want, to, you want to know about Jesus? You want to really know? It's going to be in the word of God. You got to digest it. You got to go and start to really like, like chew on it. Have you ever eaten a piece of fat? Not fat, but like, you know, like when you eat steak and sometimes there's that, and you're just chewing. Like this kopchang. Who's eating kopchang? It's intestines. It's pretty good. But you can't just like, I'm going to eat. You got to chew on that, man. 
Because as you chew on it, it starts, like, at first it's like, oh, this is pretty disgusting. But as you chew on it, you're like, oh, man, this is good. And then, like, you chew on it some more, it's like, man, this is, like, really, really good. You got to do that with the Word of God. At first, when you start to read it, it's just like, okay, that's the Word. It's about some guy named, named Jesus. When you start to read, oh, it's some guy named David who killed a giant. But as you start to really word and, and digest the Word and really seek the, you're going to be like, man, this is good. This is really good. And then you get to the place where you start to see Jesus. You recognize Him. He starts to become real to you. It's through the Word of God. It says, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? As you read, as you start to really get into the Word, man, your heart starts to burn. And I'm telling you, you have to, this is the Word of God. Next, worship. Everybody say worship. Worship isn't because God has a complex and He wants us to praise Him. It's like, oh, come on. Praise me, man. That's what we think about God. Like he, God wants us to praise Him. Like He's up there thinking, like, man, I need, I need your praise. I need your praise. I need you to worship me. No. God is God, no matter what. He's like, like nothing we do can, can change Him. He is God. But worship and praise is for us. Because when we worship Him, true worship, when we worship Him in spirit and in truth, the Word of God says that He inhabits the praises of His people. That when we truly worship Him in spirit and in truth, He inhabits us. He comes down and He he He, he remains with us. When you really worship, when you really, really cry out, you guys had K1 today and you guys had a, a, a taste of that. When you really find yourself in true worship, that's a that's a supernatural thing when you really worship god it's a supernatural thing god inhabits you and i want to ask you guys have you guys been truly worshiping god because true worship you know like like sometimes you look undignified david he he you know when the ark of the covenant came he was like he was he was so Dancing like crazy that he like, like, you know, like he was, he came, he got naked. And then his wife's like, man, what are you doing? You're the king. You shouldn't be like that. He's like, no, I'm going to be more undignified than this. Because true worship, we forget about ourselves. You know that? When you true, when you, when you really, you know, sometimes when you pray, you raise your hand and, and, and you feel like, oh, I wonder if I'm like raising it high enough. I want, and when you first do it, you feel kind of self-conscious and you don't really know. But then it's not about your body. It really isn't. It really is about your heart. When you really worship, when you re- really find yourself in that place of worship, you forget about yourself. That's real worship. You worship so that you forget about yourself and you get inhabited by God. I want you guys to know. I want you guys to, to seek out that kind of worship in your life. But you know what? How that comes, you can't, it's not like performing, man. You can't just like try to worship that way. It's a, it's a process. It comes as you start to encounter God in the word of God, as he starts to really change your heart, as he starts to really transform your life. When you worship him, you're going you're gonna to see him in worship. And, it, and it's, it's, for, it's not for him. It's not for him. Worship ultimately is so that He inhabits you. Last, 
I'm going to close with this. is the power of the Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit is not just a ticket to heaven. When I was young, they would always tell me, if you have Holy Spirit in your heart, you're going to go to heaven. That's the only understanding I knew of the Holy Spirit. Was that Holy Spirit, if I have the Holy Spirit in my heart, I'm going to go to heaven. But he says, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from, from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He's saying, you know what? When the Holy Spirit comes, he points to me. Holy Spirit in you points to Jesus. You want to know Jesus? You want to really know Jesus? Not just about Him, but really know Him. You need to really embrace the power of the Holy Spirit that's in your life. Because when you really embrace the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He's going to start to point. Like, you know what? This is Jesus. And it is going to freak you out at times. You guys saw some of the people up here. Ah! You guys been to New Philly sometimes. It happens. Busan, it comes out a lot sometimes. Ine, where's Ine? Ine scares me, man. It's like, ah! and then she does CrossFit. So she's like really buff. And she'll be like, boom. And then the, our ground shakes. Boom. Boom. <laughs> but it's because of the, the power of the Holy Spirit's touching her, man. You guys may not have experienced it in this church when you were growing up. But it's, a, it's real. Holy Spirit is real. He's not. And it's not an it, by the way. Always address Holy Spirit by He. He's a person. He's real. And, he, and if you really believe, and you know how I say you really believe in your heart. If you really believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is the only way. He's in you. And, and He wants to do things in you. And as you submit and He starts to really do things, He's going to change your life. My life got radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I was in Korea, I used to smoke a lot. Even when I, I like, even when I was coming back to the Lord, I used to smoke. I went on a mission trip with Mina and a bunch of, I think, semi, a bunch of people. We were on this mission. I was still smoking and still drinking and doing all the bad, not all the bad things. I was trying to come back to the Lord. This was even after I was, I was like, you know, redeemed and, and, and saved and came back to the Lord. I was still smoking. All of a sudden, I started to really pursue the, like, the power of the Holy Spirit. I started really going to prayer meetings. I would go to Friday. Back then, Friday fire was powerful, man. It was in this dungeon-looking place in church in, in Chilim. It was for the elementary kids, and you, everybody had to sit on the floor, and it got hot. It got steamy, and it would smell when you walked in there. Smell like feet. But you'd be, we'd be all packed in there, and we'd be seeking the Lord. We'd be like, ah, la, 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 la. And you know what? So many amazed kids would come into that place and get transformed. And I would be in that place, and I would be, I would be being constantly just Holy Spirit was just touching and just doing His work in me. And then one day, I had a pack of cigarettes in, in, in my backpack. And then I realized a month later, I still had it. I never had to quit smoking. I never had to be like, oh man, I want a cigarette so bad. Oh no. I never had to do that. It just left me. Because you know what? It was the power of the Holy Spirit saying that there is this is Jesus. And when you get distracted from the world and you start to face Jesus, things in your life start to change naturally. That, that, that desire that you have, you think it's so powerful, it's nothing. That desire that you have to want to turn on your computer and, oh, I have, you know what, lust, some of you guys are, some of you guys are struggling with lust. Lust is fear. You guys know that? 
Sometimes when you see something, all of a sudden you, you, you feel anxious. You're like, oh. And like, like you feel lucky. There's an anxiety in your it's that That anxiety is fear in your heart. And that fear is saying that, you know what? Like, like I'm missing out on something if I don't do this. But you know what? That, that fear, that anxiety. When, you, when, when, when Holy Spirit starts to point to Jesus, like saying, this is Jesus. That starts to become like nothing. I'm going to preach on this tonight, but so, so many times we feel like good things I do and bad things I shouldn't do. That's how we see everything. Good things I do and bad things I shouldn't do. But no, it's looking at Jesus. He's, a, he's real. And it's the power that, that he has for you, whatever that you're struggling with, whatever things, you guys might be depressed right now. You guys might have trauma in your life that you constantly, your mind is constantly going back through. And you can't re- you break out of it. My wife was raped in college. And it took her years. I could say this because she's, it's a testimony now. But it took years of her constantly going to the Lord and God, taking her to deeper and deeper layers of healing and forgiveness. You guys might be st- dealing with some trauma. You guys might be dealing with addiction. You guys might be dealing with low self-esteem. Man, I used to have low self-esteem. I didn't always look this good. You guys might, you guys might feel like, like crap. But you know what? All of that starts to become like very, very not important. When Holy Spirit is the power of the Holy Spirit in you, starts to point to Jesus like, that is Jesus. That is Jesus. And then you, your life changes. That's the transformation that God is, wants in your life. He doesn't want you to just not do good things, not do bad things, man. He wants to transform you. He doesn't want to change your behavior. So many times we try to change our behavior. No. He wants to transform you. He wants to turn you into a new creation. I'm speaking my next sermon now, right now. I always do this, man. I have nothing to preach tonight. <laughs> he wants to transform you, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. If Holy Spirit is really doing His thing, and you know what? It's not because He doesn't want to do it. He has, you have to allow Him to do it. If you allow Him to do His thing in you, when you start to realize, and it's that brokenness I'm talking about, when you start to really get broken, and you're like, Holy Spirit... Do what you want to do in me. Man, he's going to transform me. How much time I got? Ten minutes? All right. We, I can't go too long because we got to eat, right? We got, we got plenty of time. He wants to do, he wants to transform you. He wants to take you and take your struggles and, and, and whatever identity that you might be struggling with. And he wants to say, you know what? I want to take that. I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to shine it really quick, really nice. I'm going, to, I'm going to call you something else. You might be calling yourself this. You might be calling yourself worthless. You might be calling yourself, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not smart. I didn't go to the best school. You know, I, 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 I can't be a doctor. You might have all, whatever it is. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an addict. I'm this, I'm that. God wants to take that and clean it really nice. And he wants to call you in something new. He wants to call you my child. He wants to call you son. 
when I when I call Ethan, man, I, there's times where like every word out of my mouth is Ethan. I'll go to Nugget. I'm like, oh, come here, Ethan. I mean, Nugget. Because it's like such a, it's such, a, such a tender word in my mouth. It's such a word. It's a loaded word. Ethan is a very loaded word for me. And when I say it, it's like it turns my heart to love. God wants to change that. He wants to change your name from whatever it is to my son. My son. He wants, he wants to call you that. But you got to let him. You got to allow him. And that some of that struggle... Some of that struggle of, of you changing your life and you turning, it's not that hard. It really isn't. It's not that difficult. Because the change, you're not going to do it. <laughs> you're not going to do the change. Man. You don't have to go through hoops and like, you know, learn how to do this, learn to dance. No. The change is the Holy Spirit. You just got to allow Him to do it. It's like getting your car washed. Have you ever been in the car and you go into the car wash and then and then the car wash goes and then and you're just sitting in the car wash that's what holy spirit wants to do with you you don't have to really do anything you just have to sit there oh yeah i used to love doing that because because we think that the change has to be from us we think that we have to do this change we think that like i have to i have to quit smoking I have to stop looking at these things. I have, to, I have to change my identity. I have to change the way I feel about myself. No. You just have to look to Jesus. You just have to allow Holy Spirit to testify of Jesus. And you know what? God will do the rest. God's going to start to... And one day you... And it's weird because you're just going to find yourself... It's a natural thing. It's like the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They're just like, oh, it's Jesus. And then what did he do? He just disappeared. Why did he disappear? Because he wanted to show them, man, you can see me. You, you can see me. I don't have to be here for you to see me. You're going to see Jesus. One day, as you really start to just, 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 just find yourself in his presence, you're going to be like, man, oh, Jesus. I, I get like, when sometimes I'm in my flesh a lot. Especially when I fight with Mina, I, I'll get into arguments with her, and I'm in my flesh. I'm like, oh, I don't like my wife. Like, I don't. She did bad things to me, and I'm just in my flesh, and I'm just like walking around. I'm just, you know. And then, and then I get, I get like a, like, I got, I get like an image of Jesus. Like, like it really is. It's like the real Jesus in my mind. I'm like, oh, it just scares me to the place where my heart just turns. It is not, it's not, oh, I'm scared. It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. God wants to establish in you a fear of the Lord. It's going to come as you start to really surrender, man. You start giving Him. Giving Him what He deserves. Do you know, do you know Jesus? Mark, can you, can you come up? Let's turn down the lights. Do you know Jesus? I know some of you guys have been Christians for a long time. And it's good. But I want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ? 